What we had heard, and um, particularly from a lot of like teenagers and young people yeah. who use Instagram, was that they were feeling pressure of if they posted something and it didn't get loads of likes that their friends could see, mm. then that was giving them anxiety. Hi everyone, I'm Hetty Holmes and you're listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose, a podcast that explores what makes us feel good to improve our mental, physical, spiritual and emotional well-being. Whether it's a dopamine hit from reaching a career goal, a rush of oxytocin from spending time with loved ones, a surge of serotonin from practicing self-care, or a fitness class to send endorphins soaring, everyone's definition of what makes us feel good is very different. My next guest, Laura Clare, Director of Communications for Europe, Middle East and Africa at Instagram, is here to tell me about hers. Thank you so much for making time. I've been a very busy day to see me today. My pleasure. Um, so we're obviously sat in the, the head office of Facebook. Pretty amazing building. Um, it's glamorous. Very glamorous. <laughs> um, I think I went to the one in uh, Tottenham Court Road before with Shara, who, of course, my business partner who used to work here yes. as well. So that's how we know each other. Um, my kind of lasting memory is the tuck room. The most yeah. amazing selection of sweets and every conceivable item or snack. We've got one here that I'll take you to. Oh, wow. My favourite memory of Shara is that, I don't know if she's told you, that we met backstage at the VMAs when we were basically chasing down Justin Bieber to try and get him to do one of the first ever boomerangs. Oh, wow. It's the she didn't know who he was. Friendship. No, no, she didn't, she didn't know who I was either, but we yeah. teamed up to make it happen. Oh, what a, what a memory. <laughs> and I can believe that. That's why she's suited for a job like that, because she's not phased. But, yeah. Whereas I would just, you know, chase him down the street. I saw Chris Hemsworth <laughs> once in Westbourne Grove, and I was like, oh. My husband was like, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't. So, but, so what, what is it like working here as, you know, one of the biggest tech companies in the world? Like, do you have amazing perks? Um, so we're very fortunate, I think, the the tech world you definitely get good perks like we get free breakfast lunch and dinner which is amazing if you have the discipline to not put on what they call the Facebook five mm-hmm. um and the maternity benefits are great and you know um even actually parental benefits are brilliant like you get four months off male or female minimum wherever you are in the world which is incredible um so all of that is is great but actually I think the reason that I feel most fortunate is because the job is actually really fascinating and interesting um and it's the thing that I love is that people really do care about Instagram it's uh, something that they use themselves people come and use every single day it's a brand that people have opinions about um and in my line of work that's makes it so much more interesting and it's a product that has changed so many people's lives Mm. um and so it's weird in one sense you kind of think it's work and you're going and doing your day-to-day work and then you're you know reminded all the time of how many people use instagram and are not touched by it but affected Mm. by it um like and i it's weird i've been here for four and a bit years um which is actually a really long time in tech Mm. and you know i when i joined basically had photos we didn't have video yet maybe it just launched it um it was just square and portrait uh sorry square and um landscape because yeah. there was a massive um uh like shout out of uh, lots of people were very upset when we changed from square which feels mad now if you yeah. think about how much it's changed and like, i remember when i joined and my mum was like oh, are you sure you want to join this company called instagram because it was kind of well known but wasn't really as big a thing as it was now yeah and i think we had um 400 million 
monthly users we just we denounced and now we've got like a billion monthly users 500 million people use stories every day so in the time that I've been here what is amazing and I think one of the things that's amazing about working in tech is just how fast things evolve and change Mm. so now I helped launch advertising helped launch stories helped launch IGTV Mm. helped launch live Um, which is all like the norm now people exactly exactly um and you know, I like even when we changed our logo, that was this huge, huge thing. But like that was to reflect the fact that it wasn't just photos. Um, and so I think that is the thing that I really, really enjoy about yeah. working here and working in tech. And so, what is like a typical day for you as a communications director? Like, what kind of battles do you have to face? Uh, I mean, it can be so varied and diverse, which is also what's great. I look after EMEA, so that's Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So, my time is pretty, my day is pretty diverse because. I'm covering a diverse region. Mm. Um, So I have a really, really great team. So I have people in various countries. So it's working with them to talk through, you know, what they're doing in their countries. It's working with some of our leadership team and our leadership team in the US to help them understand what's happening here, but also to understand what the focus for the business is. Um, Lots of meetings with press, um, with people who are using Instagram say so that like we call them the community mm. um, but and that's the bit that I kind of love the most is meeting people who have grown their business on Instagram or who are um, using Instagram to campaign on something mm. um, or you know have actually just turned their passion into something into them being a creator mm. um, so we do lots of uh, initiatives to try and help people understand how you can use Instagram in those ways. So one of the things that um, was really exciting that we did towards the end of last year Mm. um, was a partnership with Selfridges um, where we uh, launched a pop-up shop that featured eight small businesses who have basically grown on Instagram. So that was really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was the first time for many of them that they were in a physical space, but Mm. also it was Selfridges, which was, like, amazing. (laughs) Um, And also we... For us, it was to celebrate them, but also because you can shop through Instagram now, which is another thing that you couldn't do before. Um, And that's been an amazing thing to work on because it also makes, you know, our job changes. You know, when I started, it was we were focused on fashion and music and sport. And then, you know, you're kind of moving into e-commerce, which is kind of covering every platform. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So very like no day is typically the same apart from a lot of emails yeah <laughs> which is expected with yeah. your level and um, so it's probably impossible talking about social media without mentioning dopamine which is the d and dose we talk about it quite a lot the motivation molecule um obviously it has its benefits it, it's what drives us and motivates us to achieve but it also can be so addictive that it can stop us from actually kind of slowing down winding down and leaves us feeling really over revved a lot of people have linked it with overuse of social media kind of too much dopamine um so i read recently that you're thinking of removing the like button is that right or i'd love to know a little bit more about that so um we're not removing the like button um what we are doing is trialing hiding public likes right so what that would mean is that if i was to go on to my Instagram and go into my feed, mm. I wouldn't see um, Hetty had five hundred <laughs> likes oh, you're, for, you're <laughs> for um for this post. Yeah, I would see um uh, Hetty. If we had a shared friend, it would say you know Shara 
and others yeah. have liked this post. Okay. So you would still be able to see when you go in how many um, likes you've got. Yeah. But it's almost, if you think about it, like stories. You know how you can go into stories and you can see who's viewed and get mm. a sense of how many people have viewed it. But nobody else can. Mm. Um, and basically, uh, the, the sort of thinking behind it, and it is a test, um, mm. which is the kind of main thing at the moment to, to make sure everybody is aware of, um, was that we were aware that some people felt pressure about what they were posting on Instagram and mm. felt that they maybe were posting things to get likes. Yeah. When... Actually, if you think about, like, when Instagram very first started back in the day, I don't know, when did you join? Um, probably, well, I remember when I joined Facebook, that was, like, when I finished, no, before uni, 2006. Essentially, mm. most people came on, I think, like, people went on for them, but when people first started, and if yeah. I look at mine, like, I think I started in 2012. Yeah. People, like, first of all, a lot of people didn't even realise that what they were posting was, like, public. They exactly. Just it was, just, like, for their friends, family, yeah. you know, the extension of Facebook, but it's just visual. Yeah. And um, people were just, like, posting and posting whatever they, like, wanted. If I go back to the very beginning of mine and I've kept all mine, you know, there's, like, mm. really blurry out of shot, um, like, five or six photos from, like, the same event. Mm. Um, and actually, you know, the first, uh, the first ever Instagram post was um, one that the founder did of his... Like wife's shoe foot on the beach with a dog I mean yeah. it's not this perfect picture yeah. um and like their whole thing was that they the reason they had filters was just because camera phones were so shit mm. and so it was to give people the confidence to be able to feel that they could share more mm. um and kind of what happened was we saw this like swing from people just posting whatever they wanted to then this kind of like everything was perfectly curated mm. and you know there was all the people really really obsessed about obsessed about their feed mm. and then actually around the time of stories we sort of saw a swing back and an, an appetite for people wanted to be able to post kind of a bit more carefree content and to be able to post more frequently mm. um and that was one of the reasons why stories proved so popular um, on a number of different platforms yeah um and so there was sort of this like swing in pendulum and I think you know we were talking about it earlier that people are wanting content which is a bit more real and yeah. they've sort of moved away from that whole perfect um like manicured feed mm. um so that has happened kind of naturally but what we had heard and um, particularly from a lot of like teenagers and young people yeah. who use Instagram was that they were feeling pressure of if they posted something and it didn't get loads of likes that their friends could see mm. then that was giving them anxiety yeah um so, cool. so and they talked about how actually in stories because no one can see that you mm. kind of do feel that you can just show mm. what you want um so that's what we're trialing mm -hmm. so it's in um a number of different countries at the moment it's in Ireland Brazil Italy I'm not gonna remember all of the places yeah. um and we're looking at a number of different things to see whether or not we're going to roll it out more widely. One is like obviously looking, we can see immediately like what does that mean in terms of does it affect how much people post and um, does it affect like when they, you know, all those kinds of things. Mm. Um, and actually that's interesting but it's kind of not the bit that we're most concerned about. The, it's how does it make people feel? Yeah. So is it relieving some pressure? Um, and that obviously takes a bit more time to test because you want to see over a period of time like how do, how people feel and how so will we, you measure that though uh, how people feel asking people asking, yeah yeah yeah, kind of. yeah. so because we've got different countries where it's um currently running so we can yeah. run surveys and ah, okay. things like that and so 
use or look at that and see actually um, whether or not it is making a positive difference. Yeah. What we're hearing, and interestingly, there was a, a lot of people kind of kicked off, and it, understandably, because mm. it's such a fundamental to Instagram in a yeah. way. Yeah, and if you're a brand, especially, like, don't they thrive off that, off the likes? Well, this is the thing, actually. If you talk to a lot of brands, then mm. they they will also say, like, we shouldn't get hung up on vanity metrics, and yeah. it actually should be about like whether something is shifting product or whether something mm. is, you know, delivering to our business objective. Um, and then, you know, we talked, a lot of people were like, oh my God, oh my God. And then the people that were actually kicking off about it the most were the people that either had completely misinterpreted what it was, mm. essentially people that weren't using it. So all yeah. the people that were in the other countries or had heard about it and had decided in their own mind, mm. well, it's going to have this impact on my account or on my brand or my business. Um, and so we also want to hear and see from them in the um, in the different countries that we're we're trying in. So we're speaking to creators, we're speaking to brands um, to make sure that whatever we end up with is something that actually benefits people. Because everything we do is intended to build a product that people want to use and mm. and also like makes them feel good about themselves. You know, no one wants to build a product that makes people feel shit. No. Um, and so that's a huge part of the way that we build stuff yeah. is by speaking to the community, speaking to people who use it and trying to understand what's going to best suit their needs. Yeah. In these strange times when we're all at home, it's so easy to reach for a glass of wine or a G&T. But I've discovered Amplify, the perfect drink to make sure you keep your spirits up. It's free from alcohol, free in spirit and tastes of vibrant orange citrus. I find it's delicious mixed with Mediterranean tonic and a slice of pink grapefruit. The bottle itself is like an actual artwork with a bright coloured painting on the label. It now sits pride of place in my kitchen. So it's time to swerve the midweek hangovers and make healthier lockdown choices. Check out at Drink Amplify on Instagram for mocktail inspiration or visit drinkamplify.co.uk and grab a bottle from Morrison's or Tesco now. I've got friends who live on different corners of the world and I, it allows me to stay in touch with them primarily through through using that network. And Instagram, I guess, is the same. It's just more of a kind of visual method of doing that. But I'd love to hear some success stories you, you've you actually experienced of, you know, people growing their communities through Instagram. And because with your day-to-day job, you said that's something you come up against quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, one of the things that I have loved is when you... Is A, I love how everybody's Instagram feed is different. Mm. So I'm a real weirdo in the pub. Like, I will literally go and sort of say, oh, can I have a look through your feed? Because mm. my feed, ours might look a little bit similar, but, you know, my yeah. feed looks completely different to my husband's, which yeah. is mainly football and food. Mm. Whereas my feed is, like, memes, funny accounts. That's yeah. been a massive trend that we've seen, particularly in the last couple of years. Mm. Um and also to your point about um, sharing and connecting with your friends. I have lots of friends and colleagues from all over the world and actually I've got multiple group chats in my Instagram, Mm. which in a lot of instances is basically fueled by us sending each other funny memes or funny animal pictures. (laughs) It's just like a montage. Yeah, (laughs) and that's how we stay in touch. Like one of my very good friends in Singapore, like we literally, I wake up every morning and there's like, three or four funny animal pictures yeah. and um and that's like a daily occurrence um but you've got all these kind of niche communities so I think one of the ones which 
has been amazing to see grow and again is kind of that counter to that whole perfectionist mm. I think has been the kind of body positivity mm. and the um like the free the pimple movement mm. and the natural hair movement um which I know from meeting and speaking to people who are in those communities you know before Instagram actually they weren't able to see people that had similar body shapes or similar hair types to them. All they saw was what was in magazines, which was a very one-size-fits-all depiction of what is beautiful or what is fashionable. Mm. And now, actually, people are able to find people that might look like them or modest dressing is something which, you know, there's a huge community around that. Mm. Um, And, like, that's amazing. Um, And we're even seeing now, you know, brands are responding to that because they know that they can't get away with having this one standardised look. That Mm. isn't what consumers expect because they've been able to find communities of people that look like them. Mm. So, like, I think all of those are incredible. Mm. Um, And actually, then you meet the people and they're like, they tell you stories about how they've met people or, or like, come together. Mm. Um, I have... One of the ones, I think, one of the people that really, I was really, made me really proud to work for Instagram was um, a lady called Jazz O'Hara, who runs Worldwide Tribe. And she's this incredible woman who basically, a few years ago now, um, was watching TV and was seeing what was happening with the refugee crisis. And um, she, I think she worked in fashion, but she basically was like, I don't believe that we're getting the full story from um what we're seeing on the tv and i think her family maybe lived in kent so quite near the ball you know the Mm. sort of where people were coming over um the channel from and so she basically took herself down over to calais i definitely read about her yeah Yeah, she's amazing yeah she's one and based herself in calais yeah Yeah. she used instagram to almost like humans of new york to kind of tell a story of each person so like a picture Mm. of them and then their actual story because they're all real people who have had to leave their countries for, you know, often really, they've gone through so much. Mm. Um, And it's amazing when you hear and see how she was using Instagram. And then she told me she met her boyfriend through Instagram because he was running, he basically was this, uh, he's a hairdresser who was giving haircuts to homeless people. And basically um, that was a way that was kind of giving them confidence and making them feel um that they were valued um and also there was something about like the human touch as well which i thought was amazing um and they were sort of i think we're doing a similar thing of like telling the story and they met through Mm. instagram and now they're together yeah that's amazing i mean they're also like oh my god you're doing such amazing yeah um but i just there's there's all these different ways that people are using Mm. using the platform and even you know if you think about the um i was like scrolling through my feed over the last week and like all the pictures of what's been happening in Australia you know actually I think those visuals are so arresting Mm. and the fact that on Instagram and on Facebook but you can um add a donation sticker where you can swipe up to donate Mm. there's been a huge amount of awareness but also money has been raised Mm. because people have been able to find out about things that they might not have been able to Um, and there was like one um, oh, I can get her name for you. Mm. But one creator who I think has raised like $2 million mm. through posting and through donations through her 
mm. of what she posted on Instagram. It's so valuable. I mean, I've been following that from the beginning because of friends in Australia. Like, and I was thinking, God, why has this not been covered on our news? Because it's major. It's happening like way before Christmas. I know yeah. now it's been picked up massively because of the scale of it, but it's it's crazy. I've been following it through Instagram purely. purely yeah, from and the that beginning. happened with the Amazon fires actually yeah. as well. There was a it was being shared there, and I think it was National Geographic and then like Leonardo DiCaprio. So a few people shared, mm. and then actually that raised awareness. And I think that's one of the things which, you know, there's the fun part of Instagram, yeah. which, you know, I am like, as I said, a lot of my accounts that I follow are like fashion or memes or funny animals. Yeah. But then, you know, there are people that are using the platform to do these incredible things and then you meet them and you're like, wow, and like, how, how more can we help? <laughs> Let's also talk about, so you're a new mum. Yes. So how do you feel about, you know, posting pictures of your kid on social media? Because I've read there's some guy trying to sue his mum for posting pictures of him online. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, you know, should, is it an appropriate platform to share pictures of our children? So I think it's really personal. I yeah. think it's completely down to the the parents um so I do and have posted pictures of my son because mm. I post pictures on Instagram of things that are important to me and that I care about and mm. find interesting and love and like over the last few years a lot of that has included him yeah. um I don't ever post pictures of other people's kids unless mm. They actually I don't think I ever have and I wouldn't unless they had given permission yeah yeah um what is interesting is I, I, I've noticed that as he's getting older, because he's almost two, I'm, mm. I think I'm posting ones where his face is less visible. Mm. But I I don't know if I'm doing that so consciously. Mm. Um, but I do, I think it's a really personal thing. I also think, you know, it's not black and white, because when you talk about posting on social media, you know, you can set up, you can have a private account, which is only followed by, you know, five or six of your family and then you know you might feel actually you want to go crazy and post everything Mm. you can use I don't know if you're familiar with the close friends feature in Mm. Instagram so you can create stories you can set up a close friends list Mm. um and then you can literally post stories that just go to that so when it's a share and it's like to everyone yeah and then that's the option Yeah. Yeah, yeah so you know you could again just set up for certain people I've got friends who do that if it's their kids Mm. they'll only share them to certain people and then you know in DM like I DM a lot of my friends who the ones that I was saying are like um uh, abroad like I'll send them pictures Mm. of him um so I kind of think it's like there's now with social media there's different parts to it so I don't think it is so black and white yeah um but yeah overall I think it's definitely down to whatever feels right to the parent that's true. I just, I'm still a bit on the fence. Obviously, I see the, the purpose of it from a brand point of view, and I, I love to share like strategic pictures, like whether you know a life event or something like that. But I do have a lot of people on my feed who just share like their whole life, like every minute of every day, and I just think you can't be really living life to its fullest if you're doing that. Like I don't know. I just I'm a little on the fence still. Yeah. Each their own. But... Yeah, and I guess to your point, sometimes it's are you thinking about like you know your kid, or mm. is it are you thinking about boring your mates yeah as well. exactly <laughs> so um yeah, there's, there's a line yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about self-care so you obviously have a full-on job like how do you burn off steam at the end of the day like do you run a nice hot bath or are you someone who needs to get on that treadmill and just burn off steam that way uh so 
exercise has always been very important to me. Yeah. That's how Shara and I bonded apart from Justin Bieber was yeah. our <laughs> <laughs> love of hit classes. Yeah. She introduced me to Barry's, which wow. I don't know whether to like love her or hate yeah. her more, but now I definitely get a lot of dopamine from that. Yeah. Um so I found that I I mean I do a probably like four or five different things exercise wise a week. Mm. Um and for me a big part of it is the mental side because I just love having an opportunity to kind of clear my head. Mm-hmm. Um, before I had my son, I used to cycle to and from work as well. And that was actually the time when I would, because you can't be distracted by your phone or anything. Mm-hmm. And I would like love that sense of a time to think. Um, I have less time for that now. Yeah. Uh, so carving out time to exercise, definitely. Um, and I'll do like a mix of berries. I have, a, I see a personal trainer um, and I try and do Pilates as well to have something which is yeah. relaxing. Um and then I think just making sure that you have, or for me, I have time when I'm not thinking about work. So mm. I don't know if you found the same thing, but I actually found having a child made me less stressed and focused about work so much. Oh, totally. It gives you a new perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. I, cause I was, and I hated yeah. it when people said that. No, I know. <laughs> you have to kind of go through it yourself and be like, oh, it's kind of opens up this whole new world. And it just, yeah, it's something else to think about, isn't it? it? Yeah. Aside and from like, the job. Actually, when you get home, there's, you know, a couple of hours when I have to think about Peppa Pig yeah. or am I going to be able to negotiate getting you in the bath and brushing your teeth yeah um, it gives clear boundaries doesn't it between yeah. work and home life and and also I mean for me it actually helped me develop self-care because I used to really like you know not get a lot of sleep before and not that I do now but I think actually my, being pregnant is when I looked after myself the best yeah. more than I had in my whole life trying something new can change how you feel about yourself now you can get that feeling with ClassPass, the app that connects you to the best fitness experiences wherever you are. Keep your body flexing and your mind feeling good at home with unlimited access to thousands of free video and audio workouts with some of the world's best trainers. To get them, just create a free ClassPass account now. To your earlier question of, you know, what are the kind of perks of working in this industry? Actually, one of the things that I really appreciate is my boss is in the US, my team is very spread out. Mm. And so actually it means I can kind of work weird hours to a certain degree and in a way that works for me. So a couple mm. of times a week, I two or three times a week, I will pick my son up from the nursery and I will block some time out. Mm. But then I can go back to work when he's in bed and actually like the US is up so um, and they're like great because ordinarily if anybody from this part of the world wants to talk to them it's within a three-hour window that would really suit me if Shara was in LA (laughs) because that's when I come alive at night yeah (laughs) I think she wants to go to Singapore which is the wrong way around the world um but yeah no totally that you have your moments don't you in the day when you can just really like and so it. it also means that you know sometimes I will be able to, you know, say, I have a meeting between four and five, so I'll be mm. able to pick him up earlier and actually spend a bit more time with him then. And I know for some people that doesn't work so well, but I've found it really works for me. Yeah. And I am very strict about blocking out those times um, mm. so that actually my teams know. Yeah. 
you know, you're I'm not going to be online yeah. at this point. Um, and again, it kind of sets the boundaries for them as well. Yeah, I, I asked you this earlier about does digital detoxing exist in your world when it's a primarily a tech business? But you said you're pretty good at switching off when you go on holiday and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's really important just anyway. Like I've yeah. always been the kind of person that I don't have any notifications on my email. Mm. I, um, I've always blocked out time for thinking or not allowing meetings to go in. Mm. Um when I had my son, one of the things I did notice was that I was, like, looking at my phone a lot to look at the time. Mm. Um, and actually, then I would find myself getting distracted. Um, and so I'm not wearing it today because I've got the strap. But I, about a year and a half ago, um, actually ended up that my mum gave me one of her old watches that mm. I loved. Um, but that's made a huge difference because yeah. it's just not a reason to pick up your phone. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. It's yeah. the primary reason why I pick it up. Yeah, yeah. so that is, like, my number one tip actually to mm. people who feel they use their phone too much is get a watch yeah um and not an apple watch yeah. uh, <laughs> but um and also i like i like to read a book and i try and create as much opportunity to have periods of time where i'm focused on something that isn't my phone mm. um because i i also think that kind of constant short attention span yeah it can't be good for us can it well, I think like, at times it can, but yeah. not all the time. So, mm. And also I think, you know, people talk about like what's the right amount of time to be on a phone. I also think it depends on like what you're doing on it. Yeah. If you're emailing, running a business, you know, reading a long article, if you've got, you know, a e-reader of a book on there, then mm. actually that's very different to kind of mindlessly scrolling through something yeah so do you catch yourself sometimes just picking up and then like going from one feet to the next just scrolling because you just it's mindless as you say you're just kind of like killing time but I I kind of have an out-of-body experience sometimes I'm like what am I doing like what why am I really on my phone I don't need to run it it's like yeah it's a habit being intentional about it is the most important thing and like we've actually got um uh there's some features you can set a time limit yeah um so it, you can say, you know, after a certain amount of time, something will pop up and, you know, tell you that you've, you've hit that. Mm. Excuse me. Um, and all those kinds of things, I think, are helpful in just reminding you of that there are ways. It's it's kind of up to you. But yeah. also that, like, some one person's use, if you're running your business mm. on your phone or on Instagram, exactly. then you're, you're going to be on it more than mm. somebody else who is, you know, possibly spending their yeah. time just looking at meme accounts yeah <laughs> do you think there will be a bit of a backlash with tech with the younger generations do you think you know or maybe using it in a more mindful way as you said I sort of think that I think we all have limited time mm. there's that's the one thing which is probably really precious um and so I don't know I always feel like I want to use my time in the most valuable way possible and mm. Like, I'm busy at work, but I've got those friends that I want to see or there's books I want to read or places I want to go. And mm. so I think just trying to get the best out of your time as possible. But then I still want to take a picture of it. Exactly. And, you know, often as well, like, I, my Instagram is a place where I love to go and flip back through and look at memories. Mm. So um, I think it's, yeah, it's about doing it in a way that means I always think it should be additive to your life. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of nostalgia, mm. so back in the day, I think you're like me, you quite like to party, quite like to a few festivals. <laughs> How has your life kind of changed since having a baby? Like, do you still make time to, like, go out and yeah. have a good old time? <laughs> yeah. So I, when my husband and I were discussing whether or not to 
have a, have a child. Our whole thing was that we loved our life. Mm. Um, but, and we actually, that was the thing, like, is it going to change? Yeah. And we decided that if we did have, were successful, yeah. successful as a weird way of phrasing, <laughs> um, that we wanted it to be additive to our lives. Yeah. So obviously things were going to change, but we wanted to still have fun and it, like, go away and have adventures um, and we've, that's kind of what we've done. We've sort of taken him along yeah. on the ride. So um, we went to a festival, not with him, uh, a London one, when he was seven weeks old, mm. um, which was fun and interesting. <laughs> uh, um, so, and we've, we've been lucky. My husband is, uh, we definitely kind of share everything 50-50. He's yeah. great at that. And I travel quite a lot for work and I didn't mm. be able to... If, I didn't um but his parents have meant that we've been able to go away just us a few times which yeah. has been really nice but we traveled a lot with him mm. um I think yeah it's it's not the end is it not at all no I mean it's things are slightly different they change yeah. like Christmas um, was not restful for me no at all this year no I found that um we were like when we were on holiday we drank a lot more during the day. <laughs> when can we start? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nap times are very precious. Oh, my and... God. That hour. It's like a golden hour, isn't it? It's like, oh, God. I almost get excited. I'm like, what can I do with this hour? Like, a bit of work. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, but no, I, um, I think we still have a good time. The last, yeah. like, we, I mean, we were out on New Year's. Well, we were at a friend's house New Year's Eve. Mm. And a couple of weeks before, we went to Paris to see Hot Chip. So. Oh, wow. Nice. Do you think, you know, you'll continue taking him around the world? Do you think it's really important to instill that sense of adventure in him? Yeah, definitely. We, my husband and I, we've been together a really long time, but Mm. we, uh, we spent two years traveling when we were in our mid twenties, um, including like living in a van in New Zealand and driving around for a few months. And, Mm. um, so yeah, it's something that is a shared passion for us and I hope is one for him too. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for making time to speak with me My today. Thank you I'll let you go back to your very busy job <laughs> and I'll go and raid your pantry. Oh, come, come. <laughs> thank you. If you have any questions about today's podcast, please drop us a line at hello at whateveryourdose.com.